So, this is going to be the second to last episode of this year. And oh my, what a year this one has been, right? It's been pretty tough for, I think, all of us to some degree. More for others, but we all kind of got a bump uh, within this year, I feel. And so I decided to bring someone on for this very episode that could brighten the day and give you some perspective and maybe a new focus and maybe even inspire you. So why not leave this year with some inspiration that might give you a greater focus for the next one to come? Um, I encourage you to really listen to this episode very carefully because there is a special offer waiting for you at the end that will kick the coming year into gear. I promise you that. So if you're a writer and if you're looking to transform and um, yeah, heighten your skill set as a writer, then this one is definitely worth checking out. So be without further ado, let's jump right into the episode. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome to another episode of The Script Whisperer. I'm your host, Ben Scharf. Thanks for uh, coming uh, on my podcast again and um, being curious about what we're going to talk about today. And I'm not on my own today. I have brought on a guest. And... This guest is very special because she pulled off what so many young filmmakers or even, you know, older filmmakers dream about, but they never really get around doing so. And in this episode, we will discuss what the process was and what she has done to begin with and what she learned from doing so and how you probably can translate this over to your own filmmaking. So please give a warm welcome to Erin. Hello, Erin. Hello. Hi, everyone. So uh, let's start by, you know, giving a little context about yourself. Um, please state your full name and what you do, please. Absolutely. And I just want to start by saying I love that your greeting is hello, beautiful souls. I really appreciate that. I've I've made a conscious effort in my own life to not use the general, hey guys, hi guys. Right. If we're gonna do, I feel like that's a little piece I can do towards this like gender equality uh movement and not generally address people as masculine guys. And so beautiful souls, that is so encompassing of anyone who could be listening. So Kudos to you. Oh, thanks. Uh, so hi, beautiful souls. <laughs> My name is Erin Granite, and I'm a writer and filmmaker. Um, I'm based in Los Angeles. I'm lucky to travel pretty often. Well, pre, in the before, as I call before pandemic. Mm -hmm. Days I literally don't leave my office in LA, which I'm very happy about. Um, 
And yeah, writer, filmmaker, I am currently in post-production, the final, final stages of post, looking towards distribution and film festivals of my first feature film. Um, I don't know if I just spilled beans on the exciting anticipation of what we're gonna be talking about, but that's, that is the thing. Uh, I co-wrote, co-directed and co-producing along with my uh, creative partner, Machete Bang Bang. Um, before the feature, I've made several short films, um, going between writing, directing, producing, often acting as well. Acting is kind of a back burner thing for me. Um, I also, I also uh, write like freelance writing. I do creative nonfiction. Right. I write. I uh, publish with like Flaunt Magazine, Uproxx, various Billboard magazine places like that, and. Um, uh, yeah, we also do, last year was a really cool year, kind of, I work a lot in music as well, so last year I got to work with um, Coldplay on a mini tour that they went on in the Middle East, right. filming all of the, filming anything that wasn't like their big budget music video, although some of the footage did end up in a music video, which was really oh. exciting, um, That and Machete and I had that job together. So I've done, I do stuff like that, like, you know, the various gigs that you do as a filmmaker that aren't necessarily your long form narrative, but right. getting to be with the camera. And that job was amazing because we were shoot literally the, the cameramen, camera women, um, directing it, producing it on the run, just capturing everything with the band. And often we'd be the only ones in the room with the band getting to film everything. And um, and in a similar vein, this time a year ago, I was in my first trip to Asia I was just thinking about how crazy it was that that's been a year. And that was a Billboard magazine assignment. We're uh, traveling with some French DJs on a tour around Asia. So, and doing all the photography and I wrote a story about it. So, awesome. yeah, so that's kind of been the, you know, and in, in those various buckets, that's what I do. Yeah. And you, you've been around, you've been around <laughs> up until that point where you decided that you wanted to tackle something something new, something big. Um, yeah. And let's, let's talk a bit about this, what it was. So to spill the beans completely now, you have produced, so you have co-written, co-directed and co-produced um, your independent full-length movie. So that in mm -hmm. itself is a huge accomplishment. So first off, congratulations that's a that's a huge Thank step you, into uh, a very exciting future if i may say so um because Thank you. i'm i'm a, i'm a huge advocate when it comes to you know going out there and um, doing stuff on your own meaning that you sort of pull your courage together and also your friends and family and whatever is in the reach of you and make it happen put something out there and of course you know you you mainly start by doing um things like short movies you know which is which you have a great oversight of you can sort of it's 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 easier to tackle um easier it's still hard <laughs> at times as we all know um, but pulling off a feature is a different animal so I would be curious to know, like, um, what made you want to produce your full-length movie? Hmm. <laughs> um, wow. Well, it's certainly the, the big dream, right? 
if you're if you're out here well for some people you know i don't want to assume that everyone wants to make a feature um i what made me want to do it was um Sorry, it's such a good question. I should be I should be so ready to just answer that, but I'm I'm to be honest, the first thing I that comes to mind is like feelings of um failure and jealousy. Interesting. <laughs> if I didn't if I didn't if I didn't go forth and make a feature, um there's sort of that thing let's see, we started the journey 3 years ago in 2017. Right. Um was when we first started the, the inklings of the story for Moon Manor is the name of the movie started much earlier than that in di a different form. And then 2017 was when Machete and I were like, okay, no, let's really do this mm -hmm. and started uh, fleshing out the script and, and really dove in. Um, and at that point, I think it was, we kind of had reached this point in my creative career, in our creative career, where it's like, you've done everything you can do other than a feature. Um, I've had done so short films, music videos, I mean, all the things, a pilot, and then you just kind of get to a point where it's like, either I would just keep doing this, yeah. or you are pitching your feature, you're pitching around town, if you're lucky enough to have a manager, you have representation, they're helping you pitch, yeah. and you go to, and I say you, meaning me, going to like one meeting after the other, endless follow-up emails just trying to get someone just knocking on doors trying yeah. to get someone to read your script and pick it and and I remember for years it had felt like the writing the script is the easy part mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> and it doesn't feel like it you know it's certainly when you're in the trenches it doesn't feel like it I know exactly the what easy you part's mean, yeah. the creative part you know what I mean Absolutely. and then you think and then you and then you go through all of this like heavy lifting, bliss, torture, all the things that go with wrestling a story all the way through to the end. Right. And then you start try to see how am I going to get, let's, okay, let's now make a movie. Mm -hmm. The, the, the bridge from finish your finished screenplay to a finished movie is so crazy long when you're mm -hmm. dependent and, and impossible and like so rarely happens that way that I'd kind of, just got to a point where I was like, okay, the only way any of my work's going to get produced, at least to start, is if I learn how to become a director and a filmmaker and make it myself. Right. Um, which is, it felt like either either way I go about it is going to be a lot of hard work and heavy lifting and disappointment and having to like really stay stay focused and believe, which meaning the two paths, one being keep trying to go this industry route of getting someone to option your script mm -hmm. and produce it or learn how to make an indie film start to finish. Either way, it's gonna be nearly fucking impossible. Right. But at least with making it myself, I'm gonna be, I'm always in control. The only thing that's gonna, it's only up to how much effort I put in. I'm not mm -hmm. sitting there waiting for other people to choose choose my story. And I'll be learning a whole bunch of new skills in the meantime. True. So that became clear after like 10 years of trying the traditional way finishing scripts, sending it to producers, your manager sending it out, right. things falling apart at the last minute, just being like, okay, I'm just going to like get, you know, I didn't go to film school. It was like, let me just learn how to make a movie start to finish. Yeah. So still, still in it, still learning, but I, it's actually, that's a great question to look back at like the genesis. Yeah. And, and I, that's I, where we arrived today. Yeah. And I feel that it's super important um, 
to for others to hear this coming from you um because it's mm. it's not much talked about um like you know yeah. everyone sort of keeps kind of a secret about it but there's i I'm, i'm i'm positive that so many writers or directors or filmmakers or whatever are out there facing the same daily challenge you know they up against this enormous beast that they trying to confront but there but this beast doesn't you know doesn't let them confront it and that's really what you're up against you know you, you you're fighting an enemy that you cannot even see you know you're fighting a fight that you don't even know what it's about but you're in it um and and but you feel the weight of it and you feel like you really it it could be it could be very draining after a while mm. you know and um You know, I speak from experience. You know, I, I I've been there. Um, I I sort of stumbled my way into, um, you know, making making commercials. Uh, mm. I never really wanted to be in a commercial director, but I, you know, it it, it kind of happened one day. Um, but my my goal was always um, to do to do feature films or you know writing for for that matter that was always what i wanted to do i wanted to be a scriptwriter period um but what ended up happening was that i i made i made a fortune you know um doing these commercials and i i thought that i've learned so much that transitioning over into the feature film world would be a breeze right but what ended up happening was <clears throat> it was nothing but a downfall you know i i came up against this brick wall i hit it very hard um and it took me a while to recover from it so this is why i'm i'm so uh, happy that you are sharing this so openly because it's not much talked about and um basically what you guys did and i feel that i this is exactly what i wanted others to hear is there is a way out There's where um, you can make a difference for yourself and you can pull yourself out of this, you know, grind that you're in, um, wanting to go the classic way, which is still, you know, don't get me wrong. It's it's fine. You know, if, if you can make it work for yourself and if there is an in for you, wonderful, you know, go hit it hard. Uh, but if not here's an opportunity for you to look at too. So mm -hmm. my, my next question related to that would be, <clears throat> it, it takes a lot of guts, you know, to really say, okay, let's do it. So here's, here's basically my question is like, what made you actually put down the nail and hammer on it like what was there a specific moment where you both like because you were in it you know together with machete bang bang yourself were, were there a moment where you thought okay this is it now we're doing it and there's no other way around it or um or was it a chain of events um i feel like i can specify one moment although the reality is it's a chain of events and a chain of feelings and right um you know, one of them being that I had a, a project that I'd called Forever Flowers that's still on, on my slate, but I, I'd been working on it and towards it for like three years at the time. 
as far as writing different drafts of it, having all the meetings at all the high level places. It was a zeitgeist subject. Um, it had everything going for it. And I just, it, it just would get so close to getting picked up and then wouldn't. Huh. So it was sort of a, the road of just getting so drained from that grind. And, you know, there's this funny thing that happens where you're, you think like, oh, I'm a creative, so I'm writing, I'm a, I'm a writer, but like the yeah. creative part is like this much of it. And then mm-hmm. the rest you're emailing. So yeah. people are like, what's your, what's the secret to making? I'm like, do you like to write emails? Yeah. <laughs> You'll yeah. be sending so many emails all the time, following up and trying to get it going. So there was like kind of a, a, um, and that project I had written forever flowers, it was really big budget. That wasn't something that I could have shot on my own. It really required a studio it required Required someone picking it up in order. It's set in the near future, various things like that. So there was kind of being at the end of a end of my rope with like I thought this would be the one that would really go, and it's yeah. a unique point of view. It's like guys, it just wasn't happening. So that that was summer 2017 was where I'd kind of felt like I just I don't I can't I, ugh, that feeling around yeah. it. Yeah. And at the same time, I had a short film. Um, that me and five others we did like a collective directing acting improv it was something we literally thought of on a sunday night while our friend um had just gotten alexa mini camera and we were like okay let's let's just do an experiment we were watching westworld we're like it'd be more fun rather than watching this let's make up a new thing and let's shoot it tomorrow and so we all wrote down on a card a setting a character and an event Right. put it all in a hat and then pulled it out and out of that we created our a film called going home and we shot it we came to my house the next day we shot it from 7 p.m till 7 a.m um improving the entire thing the entire time and the edit it was edited colored done i think like two weeks later because it was right. truly just something made to have fun and make something. Yeah. And of course, as things would have it, that short film got into more film festivals than anything I've ever made. We it got more traction, more views, more everything. Beautiful. Um, and and it, one of the f- festivals it got into was the Mar. So then, fast forward a few months later, that summer, um, we were at the. It got into the Marfa Film Festival. Mm. which is in Marfa, Texas, yeah. which if you know of it or anyone, it's a very quirky little place. The film festival was, it's one of the best film festivals I've ever been to. It's it was so place. fun. <laughs> super artsy, yeah. super out there. It was just so awesome. So that, Wonderful. so that, um, so we're on stage accepting our, or doing our Q and A. There was actually no awards given at this. It wasn't that type of film festival, which just bless their hearts. It's not even about that. Um, and, and just to give like a little bit of context of what ended up happening, the story of going home, yeah. um, the elements of it. So it starred Jimmy, who was my honorary uncle, who's 80 years old. He was 81 at the time. Um, he's been in almost all of our projects. He's just such a charming, he's a veteran act, character actor of 60 years. He's just lights up the screen. People love him. Yeah. Um, and so going home, he was the star of, and we'd shot it in my house. And so we had like those two elements where I was like, you know, we're standing on stage and we talked, we started talking a little, like maybe we could make a feature in my house starring Uncle Jimmy. Everyone, it's a location we have, so be good. easy and everyone loves Jimmy. So yeah. we could do that. We could do that, that thing. So we started talking so about good. it. And then when we're on stage in the Q&A in Marfa for the, for the, for going home, mm-hmm. I kind of announced, and we're making a feature. 
kind of based off of going home. There you go. Like we are. (laughs) So that was the moment where I think it kind of came. And that's where I, I kind of jokingly, but seriously say that inception point is, was desperation and envy because, or however I said it, it's like, you know, you get to a point where you're like, well, I've tried everything else. This yeah, could work. Exactly, we have, yeah. have a location and we have an actor and like, let's think, you know, hit movies have been made for a lot less reason. So let's go forth. Um, so I would say that was like the inception point. Awesome. Uh, such a, such a great story. Such a great story. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so which brings me uh, to, to my next question. So, okay. You had, you had Jibby. Um, wonderful mm-hmm. and people uh, who are listening to the podcast should definitely look him up he is such a type um, uh, amazing um, so I can I can really see this um, coming to mind <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and so okay you had the location and you had Jimmy how was mm-hmm. the writing part about it like did you did you go about it with a concept or were you sort of free floating at first and then you sort of structured and shaped it all together or or were you were you pretty pretty tight in the writing and you already knew where things were headed or what was the process like yeah great question um we we knew the general sense was i don't know if you can hear there's yeah legal I did. roosters in neighborhood yeah there's a lot going on out there but i live in a very colorful neighborhood in la it's like anyways um um i'm trying to remember the initial i believe machete had the initial nugget of an idea of it should be the story rather than a coming of age story it will be a coming of death story um all oh, right Yeah. And meaning it, the story takes place in one day and it's the story of the day Jimmy's decided to take his own life. And that's not really a spoiler. You know that from, you know, the first two minutes Mm -hmm. of the movie. Um, But, you know, I, and I, the, the concept of the story, there were aspects of it as well that came from a script I had conceived like five years before that would have starred me, Machete and Jimmy. Okay. And so there were nuggets from, that we already had that to pull from mm-hmm. some nuggets of that and then some of the early iterations of moon manor did include machete and i being in it and then there'd be so many times in the end we aren't and then there were so many times shooting we we're like can you imagine if we were also trying to act in this thing that would have been that would it just there's just no way it was so stressful <laughs> um so we had nuggets from that and then and then she had some really clear initial ideas of how it could all play out and we t- had talked a lot on that marfa trip um, we also, we took a train from Marfa back to LA uh-huh. and which is like a really, really long and totally not convenient way to drive, to travel back. But I just, I'd had the idea and I was like, it'll just be really cool. Like really cool for our brains to like, just be, take yeah. 20 hours to get back to LA. So we talked a lot in that we had a lot of brainstorming. Um, and then, and then, yeah. So the machete first put down like some uh, beats of like how, the story could unfold and then she sent it to me and then I would respond and add some ideas and our writing flow, which we had never, we know we had written together a little bit here and there over the years, but never fully a script. And we both had been very kind of like solo, dolo writers, solo people. But we found with the script that because there were two of us, it was just like such a rhythm. Mm. We wrote the first draft in 
the first draft was done by that. Let's see, Marfa was July. The first draft was done by December. It just went really, really quickly. Awesome. Granted, yeah. you know, a lot of things changed from that first draft, but we yeah. also, we also like made it the only thing we were working on. Um, you know, I put the other project I, I was talking about, like Forever Flowers, fully on the back burner. Mm -hmm. um, she, she had lots of shorts and music videos, various things she was working on. We just, we were like, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to say we're only doing this. And I have to be honest, I think it it's really requires that. Yeah, I, I, I know, I, I guess people, I don't know how people do it. They're also doing a bunch of other stuff, but mm -hmm. for us, it was really like, this is the only project that we're working on right now. Um, and yeah, so I think because it was the two of us, the flow, you're always having to like meet, you know, the whole thing that I think when you're writing alone, that happens where you just, you can so easily put it off or procrastinate. You only mm -hmm. have yourself that you have to like answer to yeah you know machete is a very um we work really differently which ended up being super complimentary and she just has so much energy she can barrel straight ahead she can bust out like 10 pages in an hour and i'm super deliberate and slow right. and it takes me all day to write one page um so that marriage though it worked really well yeah. and when we would by the time that you, when you're volleying the pages back and forth, by the time you get to a complete draft, it's kind of not just your first draft. It's already gone through two people's right. Makes sense. And, totally. and, and you've already argued out a bunch of points to mm -hmm. get to where you're at. So, yeah. um, so that was the initial, we also were both from Lake Tahoe area, which is like a very wintry cabin sort of place that her family, she lives at a, they lived at a cabin most of the year and they had, they have another little house in town, but so we spent a lot of time at the cabin where you're just in full. Mm. I brought my cat up, which was there, my cat, her dog. We aren't going anywhere. This is all we're doing, um, which is super fun. That's like one of my favorite things to do in a yeah. writing process where you just lock yourself down. And we had uh, our finished script. We were doing table reads by April of that of 2018. How many, how many drafts did it take you before you were um, sure you couldn't have a table read? Um, can you recall or I would say probably, probably about five or six, right? Um, it's hard. It's a little hard to say because I don't, yeah, no, I guess we did have, we'd have completed draft and then we'd go back through from the top, but we mm -hmm. also did such a system of having no cards we were working through and then, you know, having bouncing ideas back and forth. I mean, it did change radically from the, the original, not super radically. I mean, I guess one of the biggest things like the, of us deciding not to cast ourselves, to not have the yeah, roles right. that we thought we would yeah. inhabit. And then watching so many, um, watching all of the reference movies, like our inspiration points to like, oh, we could try this. Oh, see what they did there. We should cut that. So yeah. I would say, I think I, I'm happy to look it up because it'd be good for me to look back, but I think probably about six or seven, um, full drafts and overhauls before right. we had a table reading, which I actually think that being said, I also think it'd be helpful to even do a table read before six or seven table reads change mm -hmm. everything. Hearing people actually read your actors yeah. or, you know, and the people that I think we only cast maybe one person and he wasn't even the role that he did the table read. You know, that's just, you can get even non-actors, just get some people to read to it read out loud it, yeah. so you can hear it. Yeah. And it's so, it changes everything so much. So oh, yeah. I think that could have happened earlier and then had done a few more drafts and then done another one, but we just did the one. So were you sharing um, any drafts with um, 
close to, you know, close to my friends uh, with with you, like who were, who were pretty close to you? Yeah, we did. We had like our little brain trust, so to speak. Um, yeah. A few, very few, but we did have, you know, one friend in particular who read several drafts who's, you know, he was, we were kind of like, let's, who do we know who's like the most, um, killing it as a screenwriter like let's let's not oh, have okay. like our friend who's going to give us compliments Makes let's have sense. someone who's going to be like really real and who they truly have a career like and this particular friend um he just sold something leonardo dicaprio's company he's like he was and continues to be like just really you know whoo to the stars with his screenwriting career right. and he was kind enough to be like our main go-to person so which he's also gone on to watch cuts of the film he's kind of been there every step of the way so that's been that's been really awesome yeah it's super it's super helpful um, it's helpful i think it's also important not to show it to too many people like you only have your one or two or maybe three people but not to invite in too many different points of view and ideas interesting can you elaborate on that why you think that is sure um you know, you just don't, you don't want too many chefs in the kitchen. And we already sure. had two of us. There was already Machete and I, yeah. we also knew we, you know, there's also that point where you're like, I would just assess so often in, you know, always paying attention to what's coming out of Sundance, what, what movies are like doing well in the indie world. And they tend to be like, or not tend to be, but I always like most admire the ones that really go outside the box. They really mm -hmm. do something different, you know, like, um uh at the time it was like me earl and the dying girl was was a hit around then um which isn't like crazy outside the box but it definitely has some really unique voice things um i want to say what's it's not beast of no nation but the beast 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 of the wilds southern wild beast of the southern wild mm, right? okay where there's like those dreamy sequences yeah um so off of that, I felt, we felt, I always feel that you have to also like protect your unique ideas. And True. then there'll be things if you, especially if you have, if some of your readers are, you know, coming from like very screenplay classic structure, mm -hmm. the way things work on the page, they have to be like this, which I respect. I'm going to be teaching a class on structure. I know you talk a lot about structure and also being able to break it. Um, you know, I think you, you, if you're sending it to those sort of readers, you're going to get that typical, like, oh, well, this has to happen by page yeah, 10, this has to happen by page 25. Mm -hmm. And we had already been, we already were aware we were crafting a non-traditional narrative, a non-traditional structure. Yeah. Um, our main character doesn't change. He doesn't really have an arc. Um, you know, from the first minute of the movie, what He's, happens at the end, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. you know, there's, there were a lot of things that were like, this is not going to be the traditional thing. So it's just right. being protective of like being aware that your voice and those unique things, um, you have to just be protective of that. And yeah. too many people, you, then you just open it up to too many people's opinions. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Um, that's why I wanted to, you to elaborate on that because I feel that this is, this is sometimes the trap um, writers fall into uh, because not a lot of um, it, having a lot of opinion doesn't mean that you're getting closer to the truth. It sometimes means the exact opposite. And that could also be very harmful um, to your voice yeah. and your vision. Mm -hmm. And so um, I always say like, you know, and you, you got to be very mindful um, um, as far as I'm concerned 
whom you ask. Like if it's um, if it's someone, I mean, of course, we don't have to talk about friends and family, um, but you know, um, considering someone that has been around and knows um, storytelling and has a, has a grasp of things, for sure. Um, but it really makes a difference, um, you know, especially when when you think of like where where is this person coming from? What is he? What is he like? Uh, what does he dislike? And, and this helps immensely to also navigate, you know, the territory that you're that you're in with, you know, getting notes from this person. Um, you have to also I feel like you have to also understand where this person is coming from to make mm -hmm. sense of the notes that you're getting. You right. know, notes are not notes. You know, they, they can they can mean totally different things um, mm -hmm. for whatever, you know, Who, who is, uh, you know, telling you to, to change this character? Like, look at, the, you know, look at this, own, this, this uh, background of this person. Why mm -hmm. is he or she suggesting such a thing? Um, mm -hmm. and, and then you get maybe to the bottom of things. But it takes mm -hmm. a lot of time and effort on your side as well. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of fairness on the side of, you know, the ones who are giving the notes. And mm -hmm. so I feel that it is a kind of a tricky business. And also, um, I mean, it, 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 it was, it was, I'm, I'm great that you shared this with everyone because I feel that it has, it's not out there too much. Like, you know, mm -hmm. um, because people say like, you, you, you gotta, you gotta, you know, do your legwork. You gotta <laughs> find people to criticize you and, um, you cannot, you know, find enough people to do so. No, I think. There is a danger and you have to be very mindful, especially when you know that you're doing something that is pretty daring, you know, mm -hmm. and, and this is sort of, I'm, you know, when, when I get scripts like that, you know, when, when a producer comes to me and says like, you know, um, Ben, have a look at this script, you know, and, and we really want to make this movie, but it needs to be structured in a, in a save the cat way. Uh, and so mm -hmm. I'm reading the script and I'm feeling like, okay, if I structure this in a save the cat way, the whole, the whole purpose of the movie is out of the window. It doesn't make sense anymore. Right. The, the special, right. the, the, the specialty about this movie is that it is written exactly the way it is written and it's not save the cat. That's what makes it so unique on top of, yeah. you know, the voice of the, of whoever is writing it. So um, I always, you know, go back and say, like, you know, um, let us please reconsider. It's not mm -hmm. if, if you're doing that, like, what is it you like about the script anyway? Like, if you mm -hmm. want to if you want to change it to such a huge degree, like, what is it you like about it? Um, mm -hmm. And so I feel there's a danger around the corner. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, spoke up on it, spoke about it. Um, so when it came to the table read, um, were you already like, wh why didn't you guys go through with casting yourself? Like what made you change your minds? Um, well, uh, well, we did cast it ourselves. Or okay. what do you mean? The no, no, but you were not in the movie later on oh i see what you mean uh, yeah. as actors um yeah is it, yeah well hmm, good question it really came down to you know in the script phase that 
we just kept returning to like what was the central heart of the story we wanted to tell what did we really want to tell about this one man's the day this one day in this man's life that's his last day on earth and the characters that we would have inhabited it didn't really feel like it moved that forward it was quirky and fun and we always you know we knew we were writing an ensemble piece which mm-hmm. was always which is already challenging to give everyone enough real estate for their story their, right. their presence in the story to be satisfying um so our characters were just we just didn't feel we weren't like meaningful enough like we it was fun and you know i think it also just came down to at that point in our careers like we had both done plenty of acting she's more an actress than i am mm-hmm. even and she still does act um i I'm pretty over it, but um, it just felt like, yeah, it's not needed. Like it really, we really wanted to be the directors and not be like running in front of the camera every, mm-hmm. you know, every other minute and then going back, having to watch. A lot of it too was just thinking about the realities of shooting it. It's like, we're not gonna have time to watch playback. What if we don't have time to watch our own take right. of the scene? And then we're, we, you know, we'll, we'll eat up time. We're gonna be shooting this in such an indie way if we don't have time, which we really rarely did playback because we were, because there's two of us, uh, one of us would be, you know, closer to the actors and working with the DP and the other would be on the monitor watching. But we didn't really have to stop and watch playback. It would be like just the trusting that the other one would be Mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, that was good. We got it. Let's move on. So kind of just even came down to that, like the realities of shooting on on a micro budget and um, really wanting to make sure we are maximizing our time correctly right um and in terms of the pre-production how how did you approach this um of course there at at one point um there was probably was the question how do you gonna finance the whole thing and how can you were you were you Mm -hmm. talking about crowdfunding where you sort of thinking, okay, we're, we're going to do it anyways, we're going to do it with friends, and we're going to shoot whenever there's sort of, you know, some money, and then um, and it takes how long it ever is going to take. Um, so how did you approach yeah, this? Yeah, that's, that's um, you know, pre-production, the financing is definitely, that's, yeah, that's sort of the biggest question you have at the beginning of saying we're going to make an indie film. Yeah. Um, is how the heck are we going to pay for it? And, um, and, and I'm, I'm sure is probably one of, if not the main reason people don't embark on it, because mm-hmm. like, it's like, how the heck am I going to raise, you know, if you're like a struggling artist, like how the heck am I going to raise enough money to make a movie? Right. Um, so our, what we did was, you know, it's first starting with like, what is let's write a story that if we had like backup plans right Mm -hmm. where it's like okay this is our goal of fundraising if we don't get there then we could shoot this version of the movie Mm -hmm. that is even less and then we had like a b c plan and like the c plan was like i think maybe like a five thousand dollar beginning to end movie where you're just like shooting no literally no one gets paid you convince everyone to do it for the love of it you you shoot you know the various ways that that could be done mm-hmm. um and let me think we didn't crowdfunding we actually have not done crowdfunding for the movie we we, we always were open to it and wanting to and assuming we would but mm-hmm. we just we haven't needed to yet we had enough um 
personal investors. Right. And we also, now it's cool too, because we've saved it. We will probably end up doing it now for a marketing budget now mm -hmm. as opposed. Um, um, yeah. So it became, you know, we had, I personally had been saving for years and years for something big. Mm -hmm. Um, and decided that this was it so i had a little bit of money to put in to get us going right because you know there's always that thing of you you don't want to <laughs> nobody wants to be the first investor so we could be able sure. to say to people we already have an investor even though it was me and wouldn't like reveal that it was me yeah, the one sure. that was the first money in. it's like we already have this much money so you you know want to join be our second investor mm -hmm. yeah. um and then off of that, you know, just definitely the friends and family, like our families that we had never, neither of us had ever done a crowdfunding for anything. So everyone was like primed and ready to be at, tapped for oh, okay. so some money. Finally. Yeah. Finally. yeah. They yeah. Asking. So <laughs> at this point, and, you know, being 10 plus years into this career and, you know, longer than that really, but I'm just thinking of living in LA for like 10 ish years and yeah. making so many things and never asking anyone for money. Um, and yeah. So that was like our first money in. And then, and then it was just asking people that we know being shameless about asking anyone and everyone oh, okay. um, and, and raising it, raising it that way, just bootstrapping it and then friends and family. Right. And, and, and how now we've, we won a screen craft grant, um, which is really awesome and, and helped us. And we've had some like investors come along that were just, we, you know, never could have conceived that they would have given us money. And so we've had a few of those. So that's been cool. Awesome. Um, what was the Screen Craft Award about? Was it for your short or? The Screen Craft Award? Sorry, it's breaking up just a little. Yeah. I think it's my say. What, what was that about? Screen um, the, I was I was curious about the Screen Craft Award that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, was it mm -hmm. was it for the short or um, was it for um, the script for the movie? for Moon Manor? We just won it in this the, a few months ago, so it was we'll be using it for our finishing our post production. Oh, awesome! So mm -hmm. you submitted the script for Moon Manor. Yes, and oh, so they they have a production grant, so it's uh yeah a film fund, so it it's um all right kind of if you're already I think it's kind of more geared if you already have made some of it not just in the screen in a script phase all right beautiful i didn't know that congrats mm -hmm. that is Your awesome yeah. yeah um what about the crew then how did you come about the crew and the actors were that friends and family as well or um people that <laughs> you sort of picked up um along the way um mm -hmm. yeah picked up along the way the various friends crew from shooting so many different things and then um like our dp machete knew a lot of the she brought a lot of the crew to the table um because she's more she's has been definitely more creating more like music videos and cool art fashion pieces over the years where i've been more in the in the writing screenwriting world um so yeah like and then like our dp so she knew our DP and he incidentally had shot Jimmy in a music video without even knowing like a year before someone else had cast Jimmy in something. Oh, really? Yeah. And so then our DP brought like our, um, 
our grip and our AC and our steady cam op and um, kind of just like a beautiful tree of like one person being connected to like three others that bringing them in and um, yeah and our costume designer Phoenix she's amazing she her her who Machete had known from working on something yeah um, she her movie before doing Moon Manor was Black Panther that she worked on oh really incredible. So she's a super high, high profile costume designer who then, you know, was really, she was excited to get to do something um, out of the box that she was like mm. the head of the whole department Great. and, and she could, you know, have this, be a part of it all. And that was a lot of people where they were a lot of people that were used to working on really big budget stuff or TV shows and to get the opportunity to like, just be completely involved. Like there's not really anyone telling you what to do. Like people that were kind of ready to be the boss of their department, but hadn't yet had that opportunity. So, right. so that was a cool feeling. And we also shot actually this in these weeks um, around this time now, two years ago. We, so it was leading up to Christmas. So there wasn't a lot going on, oh, okay. um, you know, in the industry it was really slow. So that's what, always a good time to shoot your thing. Wait, were you planning on that? Were you planning on that? Oh or? yeah. Okay. Wait, that was always the design because yeah. we started, we started booking the crew, casting crew. You know that that whole process was in like September, October, mm-hmm. right? Um, in November to shoot in December, um, and then I'm thinking as far as you know, even like with our crew, our our production designer, I met on. This is so random, but there's. At the time, I was on this dating app that called Raya that also has a work session section. So it's like networking. It's like not dating, All right. which is kind of weird. And they just introduced us at the time. I was like, I was literally on that app looking for production designers and I found her and we connected on that app. And awesome. that's and then she came and then like she brought some amazing people and now we're still good friends and she works with everyone else that she met there. So it was just like all sorts of funny ways that we that we brought people together and then our cast was largely people that we same we knew that we'd worked with on other things um but we did have and then some like deborah wilson who plays the death doula um she who was she's on all eight seasons of mad tv she's been in a ton of stuff she um I just found her on like an IMDb. I was just scrolling, trying to figure out who this character is so important and so unique. Mm -hmm. And I was just scrolling through IMDb lists of various actresses with like, they always have like weird, really specific titles. And I found her on that. And then we, we had a assistant casting person who reached out and to her team. And, you know, so we did do casting calls. We did some of uh, a fair amount of those as well, especially for some of the minor roles which was really fun to like learn how that whole game. I mean, there isn't a, a, an aspect of making a film that we didn't get to do. <laughs> we weren't involved with. So that was really cool. Awesome. How, how big was your crew then on set? How many people? Um, our core, most days we had around like 23 people. All right. Was okay. the crew. And then cast was anywhere from two to our, our core days would be five six people mm-hmm. and then we had a couple of big scenes we had a party scene and that was like 25 people and when when the actors came in did they did they make any suggestions in terms of the story and uh, all their characters and did you consider them or even changed uh, some aspects of the script due to that 
Um, yeah, great question. I mean, a fair, there's a, there's always, you know, there was a fair amount where we wanted them to feel, we wanted the cast to certainly feel like they could, mm-hmm. um, yeah. make suggestions yeah. and, you know, one of the, the unique things of Moon Manor is the story. It's the story. So much of it is the story of Jimmy's life. You know, I, I guess I haven't really explained that, but so much of the script and the story that takes place in this one day are real stories from his real life right. put into a fictional narrative. So, um, so of course, Jimmy got to had a lot of say in what sure. we, the stories we were telling and how they unfolded. And, but that being said, he was also beautifully open to understanding he was playing a character. Um, he was playing a character version of himself and he was really gracious and open to us using his stories and, and letting us still like be, you know, in charge of how it all flowed out. Um, and then, yes, yeah, certainly Lou, who plays the reporter, he's a very experienced uh, film and TV actor. He had some great suggestions, mm-hmm. um, little little ways to make his character more interesting, um, right. backstory ideas, little like a little piece of jewelry that he was wearing under his suit that you don't even necessarily see, but that mm-hmm. he had, he thought that would be something that his character would wear, you know, things like that that are really cool. And, and Deborah, the death doula, she definitely had a lot of ideas of what she wanted to bring to it, which was awesome. And even when it came down to like her her wardrobe, um, the character, you know, you think death doula, this is like somebody who's literally, and this is a real thing, you can hire someone to be, just like you have a birth doula to guide you through a birth, you they guide you through your death. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe you're, 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 you would think she'd be in like flowy, a flowy skirt, lots of like prayer beads, you know, kind of maybe hippie, bohemian. Mm-hmm. And Deborah brought to the table, like she has a full body tattoo, full sleeve, full up to her neck. She's covered in real life, covered in a tattoo. She has a shaved head. She wears a ton of jewelry. She rides a motorcycle. All right. So bringing her essence in that way and, and her kind of being like, why don't I just wear my normal stuff like sneakers and jeans and a hoodie, mm. which, you know, we had, we thought that the actress would be, we'd imagine that character, like having more of a costume, having more yeah. of a, you know, a look. And, and in the end, she was like, yeah, you're right. That's actually really cool and oh, really so maybe good. more refreshing than being in like a, a whole death doula wearing all white or something out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, and then there's, of course, always the things that happen in the moment on, on set. Maybe they, actors aren't specifically suggesting but once they're inhabiting the character the way they say something or they'll accidentally omit a line but then you realize it just works better yeah um you know there's always that there's a script you write there's a script you prepped and then there's the script that that actually happens when you're shooting and Mm -hmm. then of course there's the script that you edit at the end there's the story you end up editing so all those different layers of it, it it being so different from what you thought it would be in the beginning yeah um that was kind of a long answer but that's a really that's a really fun question so no it, it was and also a great answer uh, i feel uh, because especially with um with with her that she brought so much to the table in terms of costumes and um and and i and i feel like okay um this this character has taken on you know its own life then and and it really translates uh, over into the whole ensemble, I would feel, you know, because that is also some some kind of energy that you know she brought to the table, and and I feel that you know with with actors in particular, if if you give them the space, um, and that's why you know I asked you like, 
was there space for them to like were you inviting in terms of okay you know let's bring your ideas to the table um and that's let's see how we you know all together can uh, create something then i feel like if you're in, inviting in that manner then um people really excel um and actors um even more um because they're sort of you know kept on a tight leash um and and that it's what i found is that especially actors who have been in the industry for for a long time and they make a very good living um and they're staring a lot in a lot of um you know tv shows and movies that you know um they are very very happy if you invite them into the process because that is you know um usually not what's what ends up happening you know they mm -hmm. they have to really you know they, they called in for a particular thing to do for maybe even a typecast thing um but if you if you give them room to explore um and and the space to really to really live that's when the the magic uh, a, a lot of time that's when the magic happens and also mm -hmm. um i have to say don't be afraid to ask those people especially actors that, you know, like big name actors, because you'd be amazed at the end of the day, you know, if, if your script is, is really engaging, um, they will be actually willing to do it. Of course, mm -hmm. they, I mean, they have, they have a busy schedule and stuff like that. You have to consider that, but you probably get them on board for, you know, one, two, even three shooting days in a row or whatever mm -hmm. in, in between. Mm -hmm. um, so always, you know, consider that route as well. I would, mm -hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Ah, I feel you. So leading up to the, to the weeks of the first shooting day, what were some challenges that you faced before you would actually find yourselves on set? What didn't we face? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I, it's, you know, we actually kept a diary, which, I would love to, I could reference and share, but we kept, she and I both would write entries of like everything that was happening, um, which we had, it's funny. Cause I don't think we've, now we haven't written in it in like a year. Once you get to the edit, you're just like, ah, <laughs> but, uh, um, challenges leading up. I mean, there's so it's just so funny there's just like a hundred things <laughs> you know problems with the catering yeah um it it just we sh we did push the shoot like twice we were originally supposed to shoot it i think we had a june date and then october and then we settled on december so you know that's jarring when you're when you're rescheduling everything um we for sure didn't have enough money. <laughs> like yeah. that was definitely, uh, I think, you know, we were like three weeks out and we're like short many thousands of dollars to m even match what we had been, you know, promised that we'd be mm -hmm. able to like pay people in gear rental, but then miracles would happen. Like then someone came through to be an EP at the last minute who donated a bunch of gear, a bunch of really expensive gear. Um, the lenses got donated in the end, um, things yeah. like that. Our camera, the, our Alexa got donated in the end. So there were things that like, we didn't have enough. We just literally were like, well, we're just going to say we're shooting it. And our producers were like, you don't have the money for what you're saying you have. And then we mm. said, we know, but it'll work out. And um, 
Uh, and then, so you know, good. for example, it would, because like then in the last hour, someone's like, oh, this $7,000 you thought you'd have to spend on year rental, you don't have to anymore. Um, and I think there was actually a thing I wanted to say earlier that had to do with timing and the why and various things, which it needs to be said, which is just that um, so much of this movie has been about telling Jimmy's story mm -hmm. and the fact that he's, he was 81, he's now 83. Um, he's not in the best of health. He's, you know, he's, he's doing great, but he's, and this is in the film and a very open thing about his life, but he's HIV positive. He's been living with um, HIV for over 30 years. You know, he has right. lots of medications he takes. He's had a heart attack. There's a lot of things where it was always just like our North Star being like getting Jimmy's story made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And which really, it really helped us too, because it was like, I can't tell you how yeah. many times and rightfully so our producers were like, let's just shoot this in the new year. Let's just shoot it in February yeah. or March. Let's just yeah, raise push this it, X push amount it, yeah. of more money. So it'll be yeah. for me. It's like, no, 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 no. We have to do it now <laughs> um, because of Jimmy. So that's, which has helped because it's just been kind of like a locomotive that we're like, we have to go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there were so many challenges. We didn't have, we actually didn't have Deborah, the death doula cast she she was cast like the day before she came to shoot her first day oh right um we didn't know who who that was going to be um we <laughs> it it was scheduled to rain once we finally settled our our days it was supposed to rain for like the entire three weeks of shooting in, it ended up in los angeles <laughs> rain yeah. we yeah 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 which we have we do have rain we have a winter people don't realize it just is a very mild pleasant winter but it rained for two of the weeks of the shoot um you know there are funny things like the day before we're shooting so jimmy moved into my house mm -hmm. for the shoot and my cousin who i'd met once a new cousin i'd met from israel moved from Israel and lived in my office to live with us and be Jimmy's helper. She was like 19 or 20. Oh, actually, she was 20, 21 at the time. Um, bless her heart. Like we're now like best of friends. It's just been, and she's an actress and she's super talented. So she wanted to be a part of, she was kind of like our intern secret weapon. She ended up doing so much. She was like the right. MVP yeah. of the shoot, but her like designated role was to be Jimmy's round the clock helper because I knew, you know, he has, he takes a lot of medicine medications he has a lot of needs he needs help going up and down the stairs and we were about to ask an 81 year old in not the best of health to like have the stamina of the the 20 30 year olds that were going to be shooting this film yeah, 24 7 right. it was nuts yeah. um so off of that jimmy jimmy wears dentures he lost his teeth the day before the shoot um we couldn't find them anywhere in the house leon and i my cousin were looking everywhere oh, we're like no. we can't shoot a movie without you having teeth yeah um we looked through the trash we looked at in the end they were in his pocket in his robe no way <laughs> so there's yeah <laughs> yeah um what is so there was just a hundred a hundred things like that yeah i mean nothing but problems but i'm now but i think that is Show me a, sh a shoot that doesn't have problems and stresses like that. Exactly. And I, I'd be curious what this shoot is. So. Yeah. No, but but I uh, but I feel also this is this is another aspect um, that gets sort of overlooked um, so easily, um, especially in, yeah. in in hindsight. You know, when when you're done with the movie, every everything seems to be. Um, 
everything feels like it has gone smoothly, you know, because everyone is so excited that they finally pulled it off, and you know, all all things that had gone wrong with with uh, crew members uh, and all these these little um, things going on between um, people while they were shooting, they seems to you know they seem to vanish after you know the completion of the movie um so i feel that it's always um interesting to to hear you know to go back and revisit that stage of the process as well because um yes it is tough and it's super challenging and um, mm -hmm. and especially this is why i you know um, chose the the last days before you actually find yourself on set because they seem to be like the most challenging of all because it can it this this whole thing is so fragile it can fall apart at any second basically this is how it feels like oftentimes you know and um and also having you know the stamina and the courage to push through and also like like you were saying you sort of believe in it will it will find its way like there there is going to be a solution for whatever mm -hmm. problem that we're facing and sort of you know believing in that is it's i think it's so vital um to yeah. be to be in like if you want to be a filmmaker that is that's sort of the one thing that you need to train yourself on <laughs> like mm -hmm. you need to you need to be the one that is you know believing the most um mm -hmm. Even if it looks really dark at times, you yeah. need to still, you know, uh, shine bright and and uh, believe. And like you said, magic is just around the corner. You know, once you set up to do something, I feel like all the time that you're putting yourself out there, letting people know that you're actually doing something, help is just around the corner. Mm -hmm. um, and so another aspect is asking for help is fine because i also feel you know in my experience that i i wasn't doing this enough in my career and i i learned this very mm -hmm. late on you know in my career like that that asking is not you know being weak it's being smart so uh you mm -hmm. know now everything goes way more smooth for me because you know i learned how to ask for things and there mm -hmm. you go mm -hmm. you know people are very very supportive if you take them you know um seriously and if you mm -hmm. you have the the balls to ask the courage to ask mm -hmm. um Definitely. so how many shooting days did you guys plan on oh. and what did you end up on um all in i think we have i think we're at 22 days all in um can you still hear me yes i could see yep sorry i was getting a facetime yeah um wait there you go um all in i think we're at like 22 days mm -hmm. we we shot for three straight weeks in December of 2018, we did, we had one pre, we had like day zero, we called it, that we shot in I think like early November, um, which was a great sort of warm up. And we had various, it was like the only thing, one of the only things we shot that wasn't the location of my house. Mm -hmm. So we shot that and we, it was all based on availability of like one of our high pro, higher profile actresses was in it. 
that was her day that she was available. And then my little niece, who was six at the time, who was in it, um, that's when she was available. And then we shot for three straight weeks. One of those weeks was a six day week. And then we did a year later, the following October, we did two pickup days. All so. right. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and what was the most unexpected thing that you had to face in production? I, I'm guessing there were many, but was there maybe one that, you know, comes to mind right off the bat? Unexpected thing to face during production. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, one thing that comes to mind off the bat is we thought that we'd really made our job easy by having one contained location, mm -hmm. which is, you know, a, a classic indie movie thing that you do. Yes. But we kind of didn't take into account was that we that meant even though that was great as far as our company moves weren't like across town we certainly saved time energy money not mm -hmm. having to like change locations sure. but we still had to because we were shooting the whole the house contained all the gear all the humans and and the set mm -hmm. when we moved from when we were shooting in the bedroom and then later in the day we had to shoot in the living room we had to then move it was like a circus uh, everyone nobody even the cast was helping move stuff we'd have to move everything out and we did the best we could to shoot we we, we had talked about could we shoot out just one room of the house just one section and be done with it before we move on to the next but it just didn't work that way because of time of day yeah and right. various, various aspects and with the light and the lights outside and all the things so we would have to do we still had to do company moves but they just happened within what ended up the house just feels really big when you're just living in it. But then when there's 27 people mm -hmm. and enough gear to shoot a movie, it was crazy. Like there was nowhere to sit. There was nowhere for the actors to relax between takes. There was no, you know, like, so that was unforeseen and, and, and kind of comical and also like a major headache. And there were these glass ball like globes that go mm -hmm. around a light fixture in the living room that were really fragile and so every time we were moving in and out of there we have to someone has to carefully unscrew each glass ball because it's oh, all like this hundred year old light God. thing light fixture and like put it away and then one shattered and then it wasn't there for the sh take and the all next right. take and stuff like that <laughs> and we had no script supervisor that's another thing we had no script supervisor and so we had continuity was insane like mm -hmm. how much we had to And it's these little mundane things that you don't you don't dream of making your movie thinking like how much you're going to be stressing over was that candlestick there or there yeah. well and then it ruins the shot if they look different but you don't it's so not important and yet it's so important yeah so it was just there were stuff like that that just never could have thought how much energy and stress would go into those things but though they were which is funny it's the, the minutiae ultimately And how did you pull that off with the with the continuity? Did you take a look at the the things that you already shot um, to to figure that one out, or we had we you... uh, ultimately would we finally got good about having um, photos of things? Right, I, I was, was going I was going to say, yeah. yeah, we took photos of things once we kind of became hip to that being an issue. And, you know, it was there, there were oversights. There were so many things we didn't know that we didn't know, mm -hmm. so to speak, like not having someone designated to do that and assuming that other people would, that somebody would know to do that. But then like, if you didn't directly ask someone, you'd be the yeah. person who takes continuity photos. 
how are they going to know? And they think exactly. someone else is doing it. And then at the end of the day, you're five days in and there's no continuity photos. Great, great point. <laughs> yes, sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, and did you, did you already start editing while you were shooting? Um, or did you take a look oh, at the God, footage no. or? We were, we were just like collapsing at the end of the day. Okay. So no editing and no, and you didn't, no, you no. didn't, um, check the, the, the footage. Oh, sure. We certainly check the footage. Yeah, I mean, you right. have to, when you're, when you're, we're doing DIT and you're yeah, stacking exactly. everything up and you're yeah. all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. And we would, we would take a, we would pause and take peaks of course, but we just, we didn't do dailies. We didn't mm -hmm. do, um, and we would do playbacks for sure. Like when we, when we needed to, but we, um, no, we didn't have dailies would have been cool. Sometimes we'd have looks, we would get, uh, you know, a look of it, but meaning, you know, a screenshot. Um, yeah, but old, but de generally it was like our turnarounds were just, we definitely pushed it to the max. Um, we were, and we were shooting, we went overtime almost every day. So at the end of the day, our turnarounds would be like, you wrap the day and you have to be back. Like, I think the industry, I think it's like 12 hours is, the uh, is the legal amount mm -hmm. and we were you know we weren't always let me just, we just weren't always at 12 hours I'll say that. <laughs> okay so and often we were also and i'm being so honest here i wish i could pretend like we were oh yeah we totally we we sat and yeah. we had like a we did this and we looked at things and we discussed discussed the day but like we were running back to back we were going at all at all angles and often we were also still casting like the first week we were looking we'd wrap the day and we would look at audition tapes of like 300 children for that were playing some of the minor roles that we just hadn't we hadn't casted yet um and it was and i was handling like there was this whole catering ongoing catering situation that i would be handling after you know it was just and this is the beauty the, the torture and the beauty of indie film is like yeah. we are doing and we had producers and we had set like second ad and ad's and we had um you know we had all the things you have but at the end of the day yours everyone's doing 10 things so yeah. including us the director producer writers so <laughs> yeah true true but this is this is um also the learning curve is um like it, it's it's unreal <laughs> um you, you like uh nothing like going to film school um is is never um having the same effect than you know you producing your own movie and being really in it and um having to figure it out where you go while you're on the go and everyone's sort of looking at you because you're you're the filmmakers right so everyone at the end of the day and the start of the next day, they will be looking at you like, you know, what we do now. Um, so you better um, make sure that you have your act together. Mm -hmm. And that is um, immensely helpful, I find, because um, it teaches you in, a, in the shortest amount of time, it teaches you all you need to know. And after mm -hmm. that, um, this is why, you know, I said, you know, at, at the beginning, like it it will definitely it will define your careers both of your careers mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. because because you know this experience that you gained is really worth something you know because at the end of the day imagine like who if i was a producer 
who do I trust? You know, the kid coming from film school, having done a couple mm. of shorts, you know, dreaming about um, pulling off a feature, you know, but mm-hmm. actually never having really, you know, and, and it's kind of kind of spoiled in a way that, you know, everything, you know, every everything has a name uh, and there is a crew, crew member who does take care of that. Or mm-hmm. do I, you know, do I hire those people that already have proven that they can mm-hmm. pull it off um, mm-hmm. against all odds, you know? Mm-hmm. I would definitely go for the latter. I would, I would definitely hire those people that pulled it off because I can, mm-hmm. I can trust those people. I know that they have done it and that they, they've seen it through and chances are, you know, they will, they will not, um, you know, break when, when there is, when there's something unexpected coming the way. So mm-hmm. they will definitely pull through too. So I would hire these people. Thank definitely. you for that perspective. I really appreciate that. And yeah. I, yeah, and that makes sense. And I, I think there, there isn't an aspect now that I feel like I don't have at least some understanding of what someone does on set. And yeah. I myself have, you know, assembled C stands and lights and exactly know, yes all the, all these, all these technical things just under to know every aspect of like who's doing what and why they're doing yeah. it. And then also knowing when I think the difference to of shooting a feature where you're like, when you're like day 17 and everyone mm. is so exhausted and yes. you're just trying to keep, I was going to ask. The yeah, the character, yeah. like where the character, but the the actor shooting something that happens page two of the story. Yeah. Um. And and it being so, you're so physically, mentally, creatively, emotionally challenged, mm-hmm. and to just be at that, to be at that place, and be able to like tap into, ultimately, what will your movie is what lives on on camera. You're gonna ultimately yeah. all these fun, all these stories. I mean, it, it's fun now because it's been two years to recover from mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. to tell you these like behind the scenes things, but. All of that's just only the only way that comes out is like in a podcast interview two, three years later. Like yeah. at the True. end of the day, what really endures, you hope, is your film. And so what's on what's on camera and be able to push past the all the drama that you're dealing with, just mm-hmm. trying to like keep this ship afloat of 20 soul, 20 some odd souls who have agreed to come on board your movie. And then you have to just like really tap into where is your character, where is your actor in their journey, where are we at in the story and what really matters right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an incredible challenge. Incredible. Yeah. Congratulations again. Um, and where, where are you at now with the whole thing? So you're editing, I, I understand. Um, no, we're done editing. Oh, okay. Edit. Yeah, we are. Yeah, it's funny too, because like, everything, you know, you're things that are interesting to ask it's like all of that everything we've talked about was really concentrated and that was like an eight month period and then it's like well what's been happening since then it's like you do all this you have your prep and your casting and your then your production and you're just running on this incredible adrenaline um trying to just get there to the shoot and then and then you do it and it's incredible and you just have these little hard drives these little black Mm -hmm. boxes that like or kind of big actually in this yeah. case and you're like oh that's so many people's money and time and effort that lives in this steel little box um 
And since then we we were editing. Machete was the editor. Um, and I, you know, sat so it was kind of like how we wrote the script mm-hmm. where we volley right. it back and forth. I wasn't I didn't do any of the technical editing, but just giving notes and then I'd see a pass two weeks later and then give more notes and we would discuss and um so yeah, we were editing for eighteen months or oh, so. Right. Okay. Um, and then we got to picture lock. Our picture lock was only a couple months ago mm-hmm. that we were fully like the picture is locked. We are currently wrapping up our, well, we're in the midst of music licensing, which mm-hmm. is a whole new thing to learn about. That's incredible. Oh yeah. The challenging and crazy and mind boggling, complicated. <laughs> and expensive. <laughs> um, so we're in music licensing and we're, we just had our final sound design session and um, we are starting to have our first conversations with distributors, which is really exciting. Um, and, you know, we're looking to film festivals, but with COVID, they're all pretty much all going to be virtual, which is cool. It doesn't mean it's not going to still be a worthy, you know, experience, but it's, it feels less important than it maybe was in years past because if, a function street, you know, to film festivals, film festivals are like one of two things. Like one is, or they're, they, they are two things. One is the really fun experience of being there and your movie getting to be seen by people and mm-hmm. you're in the culture and the parties and the events and you're meeting. Yeah. And the other thing, of course, and the is first reactions to, to your movie yeah, from an yeah. audience. Yeah. And the other thing is hoping to get, you know, get distribution. Right. Um, so the first thing doesn't isn't happening because of covid you know virtual i know that they're trying and there's like i've heard the virtual you know film festivals you have breakout rooms you talk to people and all this but it's i don't think it's gonna it's not really the same the second thing distribution what we're finding what's kind of cool and unexpected silver lining is there was such a pause in production all year because of covid that Mm -hmm. we're getting um we're already getting some pretty awesome distribution offers and I think people are, they're hungry for content because oh, yeah. they know there's not going to be as much out there. So that's been an unexpected and exciting because you kind of get to this point and this is a classic thing I've had other filmmaker friends say too, is you're like, I just have to make the movie and the rest will figure itself out. Mm. It's like, that's just part one of the thing you got to figure out yeah. because then you get to like distribution and sales agents exactly. and all, all of this. It's like, oh, a whole new thing to learn about. Yeah, and see, and this is where, we, where it comes full circle all the way around because now it's right. It's back to writing emails again, isn't it? It's back uh, to, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so this is what you wanted to get rid of and you did get rid of at least for the amount of time that it took you to shoot and edit the thing. But now you're sort of back to the grind, which is, yep, yeah. back to the email. Yeah, which is part of the game. It just is. (laughs) And it's, but you know, it's, I do feel, to be honest, it's often extremely daunting. And there's definitely been a lot of time, especially this year, because it's, we're so far out from the shoot, from that excitement of the shoot. It's been two years Mm -hmm. that there are definitely been times where I'm like depressed because it's like, this is, I don't feel like a creative. I mean, this is being the producer though. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm, I, we send endless emails. We uh, submitting to grants, trying to do this, trying to do that, trying to do that. And you're, you know, the creative high, it's been a really long time since there was Mm -hmm. that creative high. Um, It came back a bit in music in selecting music and reaching out to artists that became exciting all over again. 
Um, and I know it'll be exciting all over again once we uh, people are actually seeing the movie because yeah, a lot sure. of people have seen the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is definitely kind of, I, and I've heard, I think this is where a lot of movies end up dying because it just, you're so far past the initial excitement and you, and figuring out this whole new game of distribution mm. and how it works to actually have it out there is. Yeah. That's a, that's a okay. whole, that's a whole nother topic, um, which, which we cannot really go into that much, uh, this time, but maybe we get around to doing, um, and to discussing that later on when you mm -hmm. finally settled on something, I would definitely love to hear your take on that and, mm -hmm. and how, um, what experience you guys had. Um, what about the fast words coming back to the fast words? One, one second. Did you already know? which festivals you wanted the movie to, uh, which festivals you, you saw for yourself and for the movie? Were, were you aiming at a particular festival or festivals in that regard? Um, you know, it's tricky to say because of the pandemic, um, everything became a huge question mark. I think, You know, in the beginning, throughout the life of the project, we were always kind of feeling like uh, South by mm -hmm. would probably be a really good fit. Um, and, but, you know, knowing that you still submit everywhere, you submit to Sundance, you submit to Berlin, you submit everywhere and see mm -hmm. what happens. But then this year, when it came time to be the year that we're actually submitting to see what we'll get into, um, It's just been, a, it was such a question mark of any, are these festivals even right. happening yeah. next year? Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's. So you had to, you had to adjust basically. You had to adjust, but, but first yeah. off you were, you were aiming at South by Southwest or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's like aiming, it's also like this game. You don't know if you get, if you're going to get a distribution offer ahead of time and they're going to help you get into a festival mm, right. um there's it's such a chessboard of puzzle pieces that it's been it's but then adding in this wild card of knows what's happening at any time for any of these with festivals so that's right. interesting yeah so to wrap it up one final question mm-hmm so what did you learn about the process and what what advice would you pass on to fellow filmmakers out there in terms of mm. okay here here's what i've learned and if i would have known that earlier on it would have changed the game massively mm. Mm. something in red about What was the first question? Sorry, I've already no, taken your thing. That, that is the question. Words. Like what, what, oh, okay. yeah, what, what did you, what did you learn? Um, and um, what advice could you sort of pass on? Like, sure. I would say, gosh. Maybe even considering your, your next move, like what would mm -hmm. you do differently when you were to do it all over again? Mm-hmm. Though there's a couple things. I'll just kind of, I'll share the first several things that yeah. come to mind. One of the first things that I would say that I learned and that I would pass on is that you can do it. Um, Wonderful. It's definitely, you can make your own indie film. You can, you can make it not knowing how to do it. And I guess that's would be the thing that I didn't, 
I didn't know how to do this. I didn't know how to do any step of it until I, I was, we were building the plane as we were flying it the entire time and continue to be. You can still do that. Um, you kind of have no excuse these days with like, I can't tell you how many times I've just Googled things on YouTube, like mm -hmm. con dealing with contracts with actors. What is this? What does this term mean? Okay, that's what that means. So I can then talk and like be, know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Googling a piece of gear when the, the a crew member asks for that, you know, once that gear, like, okay, yeah, let me get right back to you. Like, what even is that? You can teach yourself how to make a movie. Mm. Um, surrounding surround yourself by other people who have done it that definitely helps mm -hmm. um but yeah i think the 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 idea that you have to there's some thing you have to do first in order to know how to do it there'll be so many things that come out of the blue that you could never have anticipated like mm -hmm. you you can teach yourself by doing it how to make a movie um i would say as much as like we were stubborn and just kept moving forward <laughs> with our plans to shoot, even ha not having the budget that we'd even had, like, you know, allotted like our pre-budget, the, um, the breakdown mm -hmm. of like how much all this is going to cost and like having done, reshifted it, reshifted it. And we didn't have that amount before we started shooting. I will say, and it's, it's like a kind of wish I didn't have to say this because this, I was always, we were so stubborn about this the whole time, but it really does help to have all your money. Like yeah. the more money you have, you, you absolutely can shoot on a, on a shoestring these mm -hmm. days. You can, you can buy a camera, shoot, do your shoot, return the camera. You know, there's so, there's different things you can do, yeah. but having more money and really does help. Um, and I know that's sort of a general thing to say, but so I'll like try to be more specific about why. I mean, like to have something like to, to like a, a role we didn't think we'd need was like a script supervisor, for example, going back to that little mm -hmm. micro yep. example, we didn't have someone whose job it was just to keep track of the continuity. script and mm. the continuity mm. that ended up costing us a lot of time and a lot of anguish of trying to figure out where we were with our continuity. Right. Um, so maybe the answer then is just like have a continuity person <laughs> maybe yeah that's it's a bottom the line, money yeah. <laughs> the money for that role feels important um sure uh that's like kind of a really specific thing um i would say also make sure you like you you can go the distance with writing emails and even if you're you have a producer you have producers you're still going to be the one who cares the most so mm. be prepared to don't think you, it's just going to be that glory of sitting in the director's chair no. we didn't even have a director's chair we were on our feet the entire time yeah. you know like think it's just going to be that point of that enjoyment of calling the shots and then someone else handles the rest most likely you will be handling, you will be the one every step of the way. Right. Um, I think also don't underestimate your music budget or have someone or, or be prepared to like, you know, which I think is probably a better route that you, you have an entirely original score mm. and you don't. Um, yeah, a composer. Sing music is. Yeah we could not have predicted how completely incredibly complicated and expensive it is to license mm. music. So, mm. and we do have a score, we do have a composer, but yeah, unless you really have a lot of money and you're ready to go the long haul, I don't think it's really, it's unless there's a song you absolutely have to license, then um, that's one thing that you kind of don't know till you get 
to this point until the end of it. Um, and I think like kind of maybe the last main thing is it really helps for your story, the subject of your story, that this is something I learned and continue to learn. And I, I think is maybe one of the most valuable things of advice mm -hmm. is this, if the story has to be told, it will keep you going. And in our case, Wonderful. the story being someone else's story and it's his like life, he's in his eighties and it's like his legacy yeah. that we are leaving behind. And he's yeah. like the most amazing person that it's make it outside yourself that you can't let it, you can't let them down because that will help you keep going through mm, all the no times you want to quit, which will exist. And, and I think that that, I'm not saying, you know, I tend to gravitate towards making things that have a really have like a existential answer and existential question or have like a bit of a altruistic or just something that like I, I, for myself, I, I'm not a, I'm not, I would never make like a horror slasher movie, for mm -hmm. example. I, I, I'm not at all dissing on those movies. I just know that that's no, no. a lot of, a lot of first features and you get that advice often to make a genre film yeah that's not something i would ever at the end of the day i have to it just helps tremendously to have somebody outside of me and machete that we couldn't let down we had to see this movie through to mm. the end and that being jimmy yeah so i think that have a story that you like you feel like the world will be worse off if this movie doesn't get into the world because then ultimately if you don't get into festivals and you don't get distribution and you don't, none of those things happen and you have to really be prepared. That those might not happen. Mm. Um, there was like 14,000 movies that submitted were submitted to Sundance this year. And I think there's like 50 spots. Like mm -hmm. it is on absurd chances right. um, that you have to feel like the movie you made still needed to be made. And it will be, and it's worth three to five years of your life. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Which is, it sounds that sounds like really heavy but that like is also how heavy it feels especially when you're like thousands and thousands of dollars you owe you know that other people have invested your idea in your idea and in you mm -hmm. make sure it's something you can see through to the end yeah um yeah and One take my writing workshop <laughs> wonderful yeah i was i was gonna ask like uh, two two um final things one where can people find you uh, and connect with you maybe even beyond this podcast um like is there is there an instagram i know there is <laughs> but please please share with all of us yeah and i don't i don't i i only connect to that take my workshop to that last um bit of advice because i love talking about this stuff and i and i i hope that we'll be getting into some of this in the workshop and i'm very much available for any questions or if you want to shoot me a dm um ask me anything else about this process it's really i really enjoy just being in a place that i can it helps me to continue to be in my own process around making it to right. to talk about it like these questions are asking me so my instagram is at just j-u-s-t aaron e-r-i-n granite g-r-a-n-a-t um, which I'm, I'm sure you'll put in the show notes. Absolutely will. And because my name, people get tripped up on my name sometimes. Um, and then Moon Manor, our movie has an Instagram, which is at Moon Manor movie with underscores between each word. And um, Talk a I have a website, yeah, justaarongranite.com where a bunch of my work lives. And then, yeah, what's next as far as I'm teaching a writing workshop in January. Um, and, you know, the reason I'm plugging it is 
to like, you know, just again, being transparent at that point now in pandemic where like looking for new ways, like hopefully this could become a job or teach some writing workshops yeah. or teach some of the things I've learned along the way, because, you know, times are work is few and far between. Mm -hmm. um, and it's exciting. It's like, I, I love talking about this stuff and the subject of this workshop is it's called bones and glitter teaching uh, structure and dialogue, which sounds like not as sexy as like find your true purpose in writing and writing your story and like a lot of the other workshops I see it's very like crap like no let's like break down like let's get it our roll our sleeves up and get in there and it's really for all levels and it's for screenwriting or prose writers um through a platform called trust and travel which is female owned and operated it's just awesome so that's going to be three Tuesdays in January the 12th the 19th and the 26th Great. um from five to seven Pacific time and California time. So, and I have a, I do have a discount code if people come by way of the podcast. So make sure they mention that. Absolutely. And I, can, I can share that with you so that you can put it. Yeah. There. You're going to share this with me and I'm going to put all of the information that you just give down in the show notes as well and, and pass it on to people who might be interested in that. Um, yes. And thanks so much. Aaron, for oh, oh, um, thank you so sharing so all of this with me, uh, first and foremost, and with all of us who are, who are listening. Um, I think that is, that's the best thing that can happen to any filmmaker is find, um, find out that there is, that he or she is not alone in all of this mess. Um, and it's, <laughs> and it's a mess sometimes, um, but it's a wonderful mess. Um, but it, but it's a tough one. And um, hearing from, from others who have gone down this route um, of making an indie all by themselves, against all odds, um, mm -hmm. and having succeeded in doing so, even if it looked very bleak at times and very challenging, um, but still you've pulled through and um, there is the picture lock, There is you, you guys talking about music, licensing, uh, you're talking about distribution. So wonderful. Um, I'm so, so, so happy for you. And um, yes, and, and I feel like this is, this is so um, worth listening to. Um, and it will hopefully, you know, give a lot of filmmakers out there the final push in the direction of, okay, I can do it too. This mm. is this is what I what I would love for it to be, you know, for for people to listen and think, oh my God, thank you, Aaron. Um, I think I can do it too. Yeah, they can. You absolutely can. It's not going to be easy, but you, it's definitely doable. Wonderful. We leave it at that. It was it was such a pleasure. Um, mm -hmm. Take great care, and. Hopefully, um, till next time. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, maybe we could do it again once we have distribution and all the next steps. And that will be wonderful. A follow-up. Yeah. Exactly. I take you up on that. Okay, this was so fun. Good to see you, Ben. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Bye. All right, that's it for today. So, Erin Granite is hosting a workshop And she's doing so over at wetrustandtravel.com. So head over to wetrustandtravel.com and check out the Bones and Glitter workshop that she's giving on 
the 12th, 19th and 26th of January. The upcoming year, 21 that is. And on checkout, you can enter the promised discount code, which is going to be script 15. All right. Have fun with the workshop and see you next time.